everyone and welcome back. As you might have noticed, no fancy intro music, won't be any fancy outro music. It's just me, raw, unscripted, unedited, um, coming to you to share a little bit of my own story. Um, you know, generally I'm pretty, I'm a pretty private person. Um, many times at workshops and even when I was writing my book, um, folks, you know, were asking, you know, to share more, share your own traumatic history, um, and so forth. And, you know, that's called disclosure when you're working in therapy and it has its place, right? It can make, um, make one seem a little more human and, um, relatable and so forth. But, you know, it can also backfire um, because you can get a sense that, oh, are we comparing tragedies or um, you just never want to share your story in the wrong way. In fact, later on in this podcast, I will um, share a story with you where a doctor disclosed to me in, in a way that was inappropriate and unhelpful. Um, and has been really uh, staying with me in a very negative way, detrimental to my healing through what I'm going through. So I always want to be careful with sharing, oversharing, although I do uh, want to share more about myself when I can and when I feel up to it. And because so many of our stories remain private and hidden, um, we don't realize how many people are going through something similar. And sometimes that can be helpful to realize that we're not alone. Um, and some of the stuff I'm about to share with you, I know many of you have been through and I've talked to many of you about it. Um, so um, what else do I want to say here as far as setting this up? Um, this is a continuation of um, basically a part two of the birth trauma episode. So you didn't have to listen to the first part, but hopefully you did listen to Bintu uh, Jara. Um, and I talked a little bit about my story there, but I wanted to share a little more. And you'll see why actually when I was doing that interview and the interview um, with Harmony before that, some of this stuff was all going on, um, and some of this stuff is still going on, um, and, you know, when you're going through a trauma or health situation, um, in this country, um, and I'm a fortunate person with a lot of family support and resources, um, but especially, you know, if you're self-employed or, have an employer that doesn't understand, don't have days off, leave, insurance. I'm going through insurance issues at the same time that I'm going through a medical issue. Um, it can be very hard financially. So I've personally lost and had to cancel some work during this time. Um, so I'll just share vulnerably, you know, if you're enjoying the show, if you're benefiting from a lot of the content that we've been putting out over here um, you can always support the show. There's a link in the show notes for Buy Me a Coffee um, or Venmo, Laraland One, and um, always appreciate the support or take a workshop or coaching with me. I would love that. 
Um, traumatic events, like I said, impact every level of life from financial ability to work to relationships, sleep, and the energy to even look for work or pursue things. Um, doctor visits take so much time. Um, and yeah, this stuff really clouds a day. So, um, we mentioned in the last podcast that, you know, by the definition of birth trauma, pretty much every birthing person in this country has probably had birth trauma, unfortunately. And every, every person that I talk to, if I bring this up, like about their birthing, uh, very, very few people that I have spoken to have said, oh, I had like my dream birth. It was so great. Um, very, very few have had the births that they planned, even after going through extensive planning. And that's for so many reasons. But, you know, we talk about, um, when we discuss trauma in my training and so much on this podcast as well, that the main connector of a traumatic experience, no matter what that experience is, is the agency being taken away from the person. Um, And I felt that with my first pregnancy, that that one by one, um, that choices were um, being taken away from me and that they were so limited. They were like, when you went to look at what are my options here, there were just so few. So um, I was living in New York City um, when my now husband, then fiance, and I decided to try to conceive. Actually, we had a, a very difficult time conceiving and ended up using uh, medical intervention, IUI. Um, so that's sort of the first thing. And I was lucky that on the third round, um, I was um, able to conceive. And if you don't know about IUI, um, basically they shoot you up or you have to like actually um, inject yourself, which is so scary, um, with the hormones that make you ovulate at a very specific time. And then they put the semen inside of you um, at that like exact moment that you're ovulating for best uh, chances of conception. And like I said, I had to do that a few times. Um, and there were mistakes uh, made in that office. So there were things that happened that I was unhappy with. There's particularly um, a time where I stood up and someone said, and I, you know, got dressed and ready to leave. And, and the nurse said, why are you standing? You're supposed to lay for like 15 minutes. And they had never told me that. And when I looked it up, it can increase your chances by 10%. And that is quite a lot. And remember these procedures, they are invasive, taking hormones, giving yourself shots. I know many of you are going through this. I know so many people going through this. Um, and then they're expensive, <laughs> really, really expensive. So, and they don't have the best percentages of working anyway. So then, you know, to have a mistake like that after you've been through like this month of hormones and then like 10%, that's a lot of percentage points. Um, so I was pissed. And then 
Um, it's just like you feel like you've really wasted this month. Um, and these are simple things, you know, that they could be telling you um, that can make your chances better and that sometimes they just, like, don't tell you. Um so, um, yeah, so I was lucky enough to conceive the third time I tried IUI, um, and what else do I want to say about that? Well, my, um, gynecologist was connected to a hospital with a pretty high cesarean, uh, rate, and I just didn't feel comfortable with that. I totally believe in, uh, C-sections as an option for, um, certain births and so glad that we have that right um but um I didn't want we know the rates are rising and rising and rising of cesarean why are they going up so much <laughs> we are not changing so much um like our bodies aren't changing uh so why are so many more people needing cesarean so that comes down to protocols doctors timings sometimes uh, patients' timings, uh, birthing, birthing person's timings as well. Um, and I just wanted to stay out of that pressure of that system and only have a cesarean if it was, you know, medically indicated. Um, so that was like the first thing. So then I had to, you know, dramatically figure out where I was going to give birth. And I went with a practice that was so highly rated. Everyone said how great this doctor is, the best, the best, the best one that there is. People still, I recently saw posting about how great this doctor is. Um, maybe, I don't know. I mean, what? <laughs> I haven't seen too many. Um, I still felt, you know, kind of in a machine from day one. Um, this is how it goes, da, 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 da. system, 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 fast talking, lots of talking, and not like a ton of listening. You know, I never felt really listened to in that whole process. Um, I, I felt like I was in good care, but I just didn't feel like extremely listened to. Um, and I decided to go the route of hiring a doula. Now, I shared this a little on the last podcast. I um, I wanted to go kind of middle way with my birthing approach. So, um, you know, I wanted to um, labor as much as possible without um, medication for as long as possible. But I wasn't like necessarily 100% that I wouldn't um, do uh, an epidural. Um I wanted to see how it went down. Um, I wanted to be in um, a birthing, uh, like a birthing place with a tub. During my whole pregnancy, I felt so good in the tub. Um, I wanted a birthing center, but I had also seen with my very own relative um, who attempted a home birth and had to have her child rushed to um, Nick, you, um, that things can go south really fast. So I really wanted to be attached to a hospital. Um, and so, you know, my child could have like immediate um, care if they needed to, if something went wrong, right? Um, and so there was one birthing center that was attached to this hospital. And the reason that I chose this practice 
but I started hearing all these crazy things. Like I started hearing that even if you put down for the birthing center, like they didn't want you to use it. So they would always say things like, oh, it's closed today or we're cleaning the floors and like very few people actually got to use it, even though it was a service that was there and that was why people were choosing the hospital. And then I also came to learn that I was doing February and they were just going to shut the birthing center for good in January. I was so upset. Like I said, I mean, when you're pregnant, you're so, your body is being taken over. Um, and a lot of changes are happening that you are not in control of. Um, energy levels, um, your ability to remember and process information, which is something that I want to come back to later because that was a big one for me and not being able to rely on my memory and like being able to work even, you know, physically, I had a physical job teaching yoga and then also just being so tired and not being able to work at that level and not really being prepared for that. And again, especially as um, self-employed, I mean, also when you're working for someone that has its own complications, um, but just having the business like drop because I just couldn't work at that, at that high level or pace anymore. Um, so all those things going down and then one by one, it's just like you're, you know, not getting access to any of the choices of the way that you want it to go. Um, so I decided to go for a doula. Again, doula is not cheap. Um, they can really range. Um, you know, in New York City, of course, everything costs a lot of money. Um, and I, you know, I was kind of, I didn't have so much to spend on the highest price doulas. Um, I interviewed one doula who was not charging a lot at all, but it was because she had not, um, she'd been at very few births. And I really liked her. You know, people told me, go with a doula that you jive with, um, you know, that you have a good energy with. But I felt like, well, I'm spending the money also so that like someone has this knowledge that they've had the experience. Um, you know, if they feel like I was hoping to leave her at home for a while and they, they know that I need to go or something that, that comes with time. Um, so I ended up going for a little bit more expensive, but kind of a mid, mid to lower price doula. Um, and just my circumstance, it ended that we didn't like jive super well, um, she was just really late all the time to our appointments and, um, you know, I was working a lot those times. So it was just, it was messing up my schedule. Um, and I don't know, just like we had to talk about that and that created some awkwardness, but we did do some different, um, laboring positions. I was very, excited to use my yoga and <laughs> to have my husband massage me and use um, the bath and so forth. Um, none of that came to play because um, the day before my daughter was due, um, I had a, a scan, kind of an extra scan that you get when you're, um, I think, 35 or older. And during this scan they saw that there was like no more fluid around the baby um and 
because of this, um, first of all, like you see them, like they start running out of the room. So you're like, okay, something's wrong, I guess. Um, it's not your regular doctor that does that does that, or in my case, it wasn't. So it's going to a different facility actually across the street. Um, for these scans, these special scans. So I didn't know this team of people, something that you just do towards the end of the pregnancy. Like I didn't really know them. I had only been to it a few times. It wasn't my doctor that I trusted. And I just see them getting all like flustered. So I'm like, guess something's wrong. So then they told me, um, yeah, there's no fluid and you're going to have to be induced and give birth today. And then they were like, well, you can go on this heart rate monitor machine and by or like it's like a stress machine to see if the baby's stressed and by that they decide if you can have like three or four hours to go home and get your stuff together <laughs> or if you have to just go directly across the street to the hospital so um I was like can you call my doctor so I was able to talk to my regular doctor and she did concur so um I was lucky enough to have those few hours because the baby wasn't in distress. So I went home and we got ready and we came to the hospital. Um, and I came with all my stuff. Like I had these like Christmas lights and um, like a vision board that I created. I tried to make my room like so pretty. I had the hugest suitcase that could barely fit in this tiny, tiny, tiny room. So small room. Um, and on top of everything, I had to be induced, which means immediately that you're hooked up, um, onto a, a machine that's monitoring everything. And the cord is very short between that machine and your body. So, um, basically everything that I would do, like to, if I would move, um, they're like a nurse would run in like every two minutes being like, you're, you're pulling out the thing. We can't monitor the baby. And like, I'm just moving like the tiniest bit. So what position can I be in? Like I was only allowed to either lay there flat on my back, which is very unnatural <laughs> or stand like just stand and basically like, you know, holding basically the machine where the cord is like, I couldn't do anything on my hands and knees or squatting or anything. So that was really um, unfortunate. Um, I had called my doula and told her, and basically she was like, one thing she said, oh, you're getting Pitocin. You're not going to try to birth like without um, medication, right, um, without the numbing. Uh, so she was just like, I wouldn't do that. So that was already kind of put in my head. I'm like, oh, okay. Um and then she was like, I'll come a little closer to where you are, but, you know, it's probably not going to be for a while. So, um, you know, just call me later when you think you might need me. So I was just like, oh, like I just didn't feel like she wanted to be there. <laughs> um, I feel like she was just saying, get the epidural, like call me in the morning. <laughs> um, that's what I heard. And, oh, that was kind of, a little bit of a bummer, but I was almost like, I don't even really feel like I want you in the room, which is unfortunate, you know, because they are meant to be there as your advocate. Um, and I probably could use that. Also, as I'll tell you later, my husband looked very afraid and it probably would have been good to have someone else there so he could take a break. Um, 
and maybe I would have labored longer without epidural. I don't know, but he looked so scared. Um, another thing to tell you about this hospital that I found totally abhorrent, disgusting. Um, I think they might have changed this, but it makes me so mad. Like, are you kidding me? Is they had a rule at the hospital that your partner cannot sleep over in, unless, um, you know, after the baby's born when you're laboring, yes, but in the, I guess, recovery room after the baby's born, unless you buy a private room. So basically, I was like, are you telling me that, you're, that I'm supposed to send my husband home on like the first night of fatherhood? Like, I uh, know. What kind of setup is that for how this is going to go? Like, I was like, this is going to be a 50-50 taking care of this kid situation. And from day one, like, I'm like, oh, just go home. Have a nice, comfy sleep in our bed. I'll be here. Like, what? 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 It's already, like, maybe more difficult for the person that didn't carry the baby to bond with the baby. You know, they say, like, the other person, you know, they should have lots and lots of skin-to-skin time. And I'm like, you want me to send him home or... Basically, you're hustling, I think, I forget what it was, like $600 out of me. So those are my choices. Um, So we were like, all right, we can like maybe, maybe like squeeze out $600 from our lives, but we can only stay one night. (laughs) Like we can't, we don't have enough for two nights. So I was on this mission that I have to get, um, what's it called? Like dismissed. discharge discharge within one night because I cannot pay for a second night so you know who cares about my health or like the babies can get jaundice uh you just have to let me out because I can't afford your second night and I'm not staying here without my partner crazy crazy so um so yeah so I get the um pitocin um and I, I start, you know, I don't know what you know about it, but it's not like natural labor. You go into like immediate level 10 labor. Um, like I said, every time I moved, they'd come in and yell at me. So I ended up standing and I was like chanting Om and I was, I was leaving my body, totally out of body, left my body, watching myself from away a ways away. Um, the contractions were constant, like one on top of the next, no recovery, level 10. And after uh, that probably started around five or five thirty, maybe six. And then like by one in the morning, it was just like looking at my husband. He looks so scared. I thought like, I'm really scaring this man thinking about, um, doing this all night and just like, how exhausted we would both be. And I'm just like, okay, give me the epidural. Now, I just want to give a little context about this because I don't think there's anything wrong with taking pain relief. Um, in no other context of like surgery or like, um, you know, even if you're not feeling well, you take like an ibuprofen, you take a tile, like it's so insane how women are just taught that it's just unnatural and everything we're doing is bad. And I want to just say how much more so 
in the yoga space and in the space I was in was like the birth Olympics of who had the craziest, most natural birth. I know people that birthed in 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 hurricanes and were proud of of birthing, you know, at at home. I I find these things are dangerous and yet there's a reward. You know, women did used to die a lot, right? And babies used to die a lot. So it's not this either or like we were saying in the previous podcast too of like no intervention or all the interventions, you know? And it's just such a shame that people are like shamed for, you know, having some ease and so forth in their births. And especially like the more you're in sort of natural fields like yoga, um, it's like I said, it's like a, a birthing Olympics of who can do it more, you know, natural, quote unquote, and um, it's it's nuts. Um, it's really nuts. So, um, what happened next? So yeah, I took that, I slept a little and then, um, it started to basically not work in the morning, which was, uh, so I started feeling everything again, by the way, I also had a balloon put inside me to like make my dilation more. Um, and, and then like, it's, uh, my, I finally called my doula. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm going to have the, I almost forgot. Like, oh yeah, I'm about to have the baby. Um, it turned out the baby was coming pretty soon in the morning. I had imagined that it would be like a good 24 hours. I always hear from my mom. She had like a two day, 48 hour, whatever labor. So I was like, oh, this is going to be at least 24 hours. But no, it was like the morning came and this baby was ready to come. I think around 11. Um, so they came, the doula came and my uh, doctor was there. And of course, you know, um, and I'm feeling everything, everything. So whatever epidural they gave me, like they apparently like some, something came out. <laughs> I just, I'm feeling everything. Um, and, but of course, as soon as the doctor comes to deliver, like the contractions stop, which is like very common. Some of you might know this It's like, I don't know, this like body shyness that happens, even though like consciously, no, they were like, it just happens. So she's like, oh, I'll, let me go. I'll come back. So as soon as she like leaves, I go into like, I'm like, I feel this baby coming out <laughs> like not long after. And I just start getting up on the bed. I'm like, I'm doing squats. I'm doing yoga. It's just me and this doula and my husband now. So I can do whatever I want. And I swear I could have like squatted and pushed that baby out, which would have been amazing. Um, but of course they were like, I think we need to go get the doctor. Then they got the doctor. I'm like, this baby's coming out. And of course they made me lay down and such a awkward position. Um, unnatural just position is laying down to have a baby it doesn't even make any sense you can feel it in your body that it doesn't make sense and so that made it harder for the baby to come out and there was a lot of screaming like they were telling me the baby was like in trouble but I kind of like knew I'm like the baby where I just knew like we're fine but they're like we're gonna have to take the baby right away we're not gonna be able to put the baby like right on you I'm just like, yeah, whatever at this point. Everything that I wanted and wrote in the birth plan was like through the window. So why not that too? I mean, it turns out like she was fine. I think they took her for like two seconds um, just to do like a quick 
make sure. And then, you know, I got her right away. I actually like breastfed like immediately. She just crawled right up me and that was it. And, um, you know, there started the motherhood. So I don't know. I'm sure you all have a story like that. Those of you who are given birth <laughs> because, um, it's just in this country, like we were saying, traumatic. Like it was so traumatic. Um, I just didn't even know what happened. And even like days after, I would just like start crying and I was like so confused about what happened. If I was in trouble, if the baby was in trouble, if not, like, I don't know. It was just so hard to put together. Um, I've even asked my husband a few times like what happened. And even he was like, you, you just almost can't hear or understand what the doctors are saying and they're not like they don't explain it clearly. And, you know, I'm going to talk about that more because that comes up again. Um, and it comes up a lot when people get, you know, diagnosis. So they always say, you know, bring someone with you um, if you can, like record it when the doctor's talking to you or bring someone with you, because when you're hearing a diagnosis or something um, like that, it is you you go into shock and you you're not hearing clearly also um these doctors don't tell you flat out like what is happening they talk in a way that's very confusing like always leaving like this possibility and so you're just like what is happening but you don't know and this happened again to me recently so um yeah, I think I just want to say also that, um, you know, after I gave birth, it was quite a shock for me. Um, I I think I expected to just have a baby and then also have my life the way it was. It took a long time for me to adjust. Um, I had a lot of trouble thinking and remembering and like, I'm used to being able to, I give a lot of talks and I give a lot of workshops um, and like that's how I make my money and um, and I probably went back to doing that too soon. I remember um, very particularly that I did a workshop for accessible yoga. I spoke at the conference in New York City and it was such a fail and I'm still, I still like cringe when I think about it because I couldn't get my words out, and, um, you know, it's just not like me, and I felt like that ruined relationships and, like, work opportunities for me for, like, a while, so I feel like I, you know, I came off poorly, unprepared or something, when I was really the brain fog, and um, there, it was a couple years before I got, like, my full mental capacity back, and I just didn't really know how to deal with that. I mean, what should you do, actually? <laughs> um, you know, what ideal world, right? Ideal country, like, you're taking care of and you have, like, a few years to recover. Um, I don't even know, like, what people do who have, like, real nine-to-five jobs and, like, have to go back to work, like, after, I don't know, what, four, eight weeks, like... At eight weeks, there's no way that I was ready to go back to work. Like, I don't understand how people do it. I really feel so badly for people that are forced to go back to work so quickly um, because it's that's not at all the recovery time. I mean, it really takes that first year. Um, 
and there should be so much grace and support for families, especially, right, if we're not going to let them um, have abortions, if they don't want to have children, uh, then what are you doing to, like, support them to, um, you know, spend that time with their child and recover and bonds and all that stuff? I am lucky that you know, in a way that I work for myself. I mean, my poor husband, he had to teach like all my yoga shifts um, while also having this newborn. I mean, it was totally insane, but we had some flexibility there. Um, so I, I just don't even know. I'm actually considering some offers for some more kind of full-time jobs. And I, I don't think I've ever in full-time jobs or like worked for anyone so those of you out there loving it are there any of you or is is there anyone out there that has started um you know after years of being self-employed or freelance worked for someone because I am so nervous I'm considering it but I'm like how do people like I spend because I work for myself and I work from home like you know a, a portion of my week goes to like dealing with, like I am right now, the health insurance problem that we got randomly kicked off with no notice in the middle of a health crisis. Thank you. Um, Doing, like setting up all the doctor's appointments for everyone in my family. And I mean, there are a lot, right? (laughs) It's like when you get older too, it's like the regular doctor, then you got like the eyes, the teeth, doing the home repairs, like... I mean, I was talking to my friend about this, too. It's like, who is going to do, like, the ordering, the cooking, like, um, and where I live in the country, y'all, we don't have any, we don't have any, like, delivery. I don't have any, um, like, uh, Uber Eats, <laughs> and, you know, we try to be, like, uh, you know, eating really healthy and cooking our food, so I don't know how people are, how people do that with a full-time job and two people working, um, you all are amazing. I don't know how people do it. I, I know that I get up at like five anyway, um, as it is to get everything done and I have flexibility. I'm also back in school now, so it's all pretty crazy over here. Um, so, okay. So I'm, but I am like so recovered <laughs> from having my daughter who's, um, four and a half now and, um, what I want to say, this is going to be hard. Okay. Um, so I told you, like I did three IUIs to get pregnant with my daughter. Um, and I have not tried not to get pregnant since she was probably, since probably when we moved out here. Um, to the country when she was like a little over a year, like a year and like three months or something. Um, and I've just like never gotten pregnant. So the years go by and this year I turned 43 and I just thought that's probably like it. I mean, I don't know. That's probably it. Like 43 is getting kind of old for the birthing person. Um, you know, every month I would kind of be sad if I, when I would get my period, um, because I thought maybe I want to do this one more time. I'm loving motherhood. My daughter is amazing. Um, she's just a really good, great kid. Um, but you know, you don't know if you're going to get a good, great kid. (laughs) You don't know. Um, also if you get a kid with, 
more learning disabilities or challenges, especially as you get older. And I just thought if I'm not like a hundred percent sure, you know, I shouldn't probably pursue this. And also the thought of going through, uh, fertility and medical intervention again, um, the expense of it and just the exhaustion and then each month setting yourself up and then it not working. And also living so far, I live far from, um, you know, fertility centers and, so anyway, kind of thought that was it. A little bit sad every month, like, but also, you know, okay, and maybe that's like how it's gonna go. I never really thought I'd have one kid, but it's it's nice, you know, I can shower all all the love on her. Most of our friends just have one kid. It was very uncommon when I was growing up, but now the people with two were like, Oh, you're crazy. <laughs> um Anyway, um, I'm, I'm sort of stalling. <laughs> um, yeah, so recently I was like late on my period, right? So, but I just thought, nah, like I'm probably just late. Like I always had a really, um, I had a very long cycle, long, 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 like 40 plus days until I got the COVID vaccine. Also shout out, let me know if you're a person that got COVID or the vaccine and it changed your cycle because I'm hearing this is a thing and like don't know if anyone's really researching this and what it means because we're women so it's probably like the last thing they're researching but it's kind of crazy after I got the vaccine I started having like the most like consistent like regular 28-day cycle like I never had in my life um so I was late, but then I was like, I hadn't really been keeping good track. My husband had like been away the month before. And so I was like, well, uh, you know, there's no chances anyways to try a little bit <laughs> to plan my timing. But um, I kind of was like, okay, well, probably just nothing. And then I was just like later and later and later, like really super late. I was like, okay, I guess I better take a test. So took a test and I was pregnant and we were so excited um and a lot more excited than I think I knew that I would be you know I I kind of knew that I kind of would maybe want to try for number two but like did not know that I would be just in heaven just so happy so overjoyed in this really magical place with my husband of like, you know, at first also it's like a secret and it's just like between you and, and he was so like sweet and taking care. And I was just like, wow, this is such a gift, like a miracle gift to like have this experience one more time. Um, and just start imagining our lives um, you know, as a family of four and the, just, you know, showing my daughter how to take care of a baby or like, you know, be with gentle with a baby and how much she loves to like take care of others. And I think she would just love it. Um, and we were really, really excited, like coming up with names, thinking about the house, what room, you know, all the stuff really into it. So as I said, there's not really a lot of like high rated, um, like OBGYN around here close to me. So I did some research and I chose a hospital that's like an hour and 20 minutes away. Um, cause like they're, they got a lot of stars. 
So um, I call them up and I'm like telling them like I'm 43. Like, you know, I know I'm nervous. You know, I need I know I need some extra care and like um, and they just seem like not too nervous about it. And they like they have two offices and they cannot figure out like how to get me an appointment. And literally to the point I'm, I'm on this phone for like 40 minutes. I'm like, I have to actually have a meeting. So I end up, I think I might've called like four or five times before I like could get an appointment. And it was so far out. It was so far out. So, um, I would have been like nine plus weeks. So I'm like, all right, I take this appointment. I'm like, but you know, I had this appointment already scheduled with my, um, my regular like primary care doctor for some other stuff. And I told her that I do want to go and um, confirm the pregnancy with a blood test. When I do that appointment, I have that like in a few days. And they try to like convince me not to do that. They're like, well, it's really going to mess up like the way we process your account. And like, it's going to be extra paperwork for us. It's going to mean you're going to have to do extra. Like, so uh, I'm like, well, you can't get me an appointment for like three, four weeks out. Um, I think I'm going to confirm this pregnancy. I'm not going to wait a month to like come to you, you know? So, um, but that was like hard to do, right? Cause they were telling me I was like bad, wrong. It was going to be all this trouble. They might, they, they even said like, they might not accept me. They may, they may not accept me as their patient. Cause I would be a transferring patient. I'm like, I'm not transferring. This is not OBGYN. This is just like my regular primary care. She like couldn't deliver a baby, <laughs> but, um, they made me, they were like, we're not sure if we would accept you. Basically, like, fe- felt kind of threatened by them. But I'm like, all right, it's always something with these offices. I'm not, maybe I don't want to be too sensitive and, like, ruin this relationship because where else am I going to go? So, but I'm like, yeah, I still think I'm going to do it. So I did. I confirmed it. My hormones were at a good level, showing, like, six weeks when I confirmed, which was, like, what I knew that I was. And then I had, like, another three weeks before I could go to this other official appointment. So I went, and it was so long, y'all. It was crazy long. I had to answer a gazillion questions um, like they warned me. It was so long. I can't – it was, like, it was like a three-hour appointment. And at first they told me that I wasn't going to be able to get um, an ultrasound – and I was, like, dying to have this ultrasound to check that everything was okay. And I was also, like, going away the next week. And they also are so far from me. So, like, once I'm all the way there, like, but I finally, like, the last minute, they changed their mind. And they're, like, actually, we can get you an ultrasound. So after, like, three-hour appointment or, like, two and a half hours of, like, questions and ridiculous, honestly, um, at the end, I get to go in for the ultrasound and that's when, like, they see, like, that no baby, no fetus really grew. There's, like, the um, embryonic sac, but the, the fetus didn't really grow. And, but they don't tell you that. They're just, like, all I can tell you is this looks like a six-week situation or seven-week, and you're supposed to be, like, nine or ten, right? And I'm, like, yeah, and I'm, like, oh, I can see something's wrong, but, of course, they won't tell you. So just sitting there freaking out. So then they sent me back with the results, like back to the doctor. And she kind of says the same thing. So 
could we have gotten the calculations wrong? Like, um, you know, and I start doing the calculations again. And of course, you know, like we know, right? We know like our cycles and I'm like, well, maybe da, 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 you know, and that still wouldn't like, I wasn't at six weeks. I was like, you know, supposed to be nine weeks. So she's like, well, why don't we wait a week? And then you do one more ultrasound just to see like, so again, this is what I'm talking about. Like it was, it was kind of unclear what was going on. Like on one end, like I knew like, um, I've like lost this baby. Like I'm, but on the other end, she's not saying flat out. And so I'm kind of like left there confused. And then she says to me, this is what the doctor says to me. And again, please shout me out. Let me know what you think about this. Okay. Tell me if you think this is okay. So she says to me, so you've never had a miscarriage before? I'm like, no, I haven't. Like I haven't like only the second, this is only the second time I've ever gotten pregnant, you know? And, uh, she says, oh, you know, me and my girlfriends, when we were living, like, in New York City, we used to, like, have them so often. When, when someone would have one, we would send them a chicken dinner, like, you know, one of those rotisserie chicken dinners. And it got to the point that, like, so many people were ha- – so many of us were having them that, you know, sometimes you call your friend to go out and they'd say, oh, I can't. Like, I'm on my chicken dinner. And so I'm, like, thinking to myself, okay, so – this story is meant to make me feel like, I guess you're not alone. Like lots of women have miscarriages, which I'm not an idiot. You know, like I, I've been around a while now. I've many people close to me have had miscarriages, but like I'm 43 and I don't get pregnant. So like, this isn't to me like, Oh, another miscarriage. Just try next month. Like this is like, was my miracle, like, baby, you know? And, like, time is super ticking, right? I didn't know if I have another chance like this again, and I don't. And instead of, like, reading that and, like, getting, like, who you're talking to, right? Um, She's telling me about chicken dinners and not even telling me the truth. So... She's just like, when do you want to schedule this second ultrasound? And I'm like, my mind is now spinning. I'm supposed to go away in like a week and whatever. I just want to get, I'm suddenly like freezing cold and I just want to get out of this office, right? It's like been there three hours and I'm just like this, everything in my body is like leave. And I could watch that that was happening. Like I, I, I see myself like I'm putting my coat on. I'm standing at the edge of the door, so waiting for them to say like I can go, basically, right? So I finally like out. I get to the car and I'm like, I start driving. There's a couple people. I didn't tell a lot of people that I was pregnant because of this, because then you have to call everyone and tell them. But there were a few people that knew that knew I was having the scan that day, and they were probably wondering what's going on. So like, I'm like, I have to, you know, I call my husband first, and I'm like, the scan didn't go well. But I don't even tell him like, oh, I had a miscarriage because I haven't even figured that out at that point because no one has said that to me. So I've now confused him. Um, But by the time that I call like my best friend and I'm still kind of like in a shock state. But like by the time that I've gotten home, meanwhile, by the way, they closed the road to my house. It's already like, you know, about an hour and 20 minute drive. They 
close the road to my house and I'm getting like a, a tornado warning on my phone. So I'm like, this isn't really safe. And I'm like crying, but sometimes not, you know, it's just like so weird. But by the time like I have that hour and like actually it was turned into like a two hour drive, like I've actually realized on my own what has happened, but like no one has told me. So that's when I start like the processing, um, of the loss and just the loss of everything that like I was dreaming and just everything. Um, you know, and I'm grateful for like my practice and my like ability to like just be with a lot of complicated emotions and, um, so grateful to my partner and my husband and, um, it was like a lot of waves. It still is. Um, a lot of waves, um, with the processing and like getting better every day, but there's things that will just like suddenly trigger me, you know, I'll just like see something that I was like eating a lot when I was like pregnant and, um, I'll just see something that, you know, also all my like algorithms knew I was pregnant. So I was getting like tons of that stuff I had to go in and change all my ad settings um and there's just a lot of things like that that like will you know kind of trigger me and bring stuff up so um you know I understand when it's like you're like fine you're like walking through life and you're actually like almost like oh like everything is bad like I'm, I'm moving forward I'm so proud of myself <laughs> and then just like the weirdest thing will happen out of the blue <laughs> I'm like tearing up just thinking about it it's just like it'll catch you so off guard you know it'll catch you so off guard um just when you're feeling like your best you know um, and that's, you know, that's what it is. And, um, you know, luckily like it becomes less and less, but it's, uh, it's, it's very, um, disorienting and, you know, you don't feel super safe cause you just don't know when it's going to happen. Um, and there were just some other really negative things that happened within the medical system. Like, I was able to have that second ultrasound closer to home to like confirm what we already knew. And by the time I had that four or five days later, just to see if like make sure um, that nothing had like grown and like we were sure, um, you know, I had already processed a lot like I knew and and I started to feel different. But like my husband came with me um, and they're like, we we can't, we can't um, send your images over to your other doctor over our system. Cause like our systems don't talk to each other. I'm like, okay. They're like, we can give you a disc. I'm like a disc, like a disc, like a CD, like guys from like 1990. I'm like, um, the office doesn't have like any computers that read a disc. So I'm like sitting there talking to this receptionist and she's like, well, do you need the images or can we just send the report? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> right. And I'm, like, going in there to get confirmation that I miscarried. I'm already, like, shaking. I have my husband with me. I'm, like, crying. I don't want to do this. I don't want to see it. And they're, like, asking me the dumbest questions, whereas they should just know what the other office needs and just, like, you know, damn it, send it to them. Like, just send it to them. Like, why, why are you talking to me about this? You know, like, why should this be a conversation that I have to have right now? Um... 
they turns out like they just need the report the they uh, had to give a referral like a, a piece of paper i handed there so they had a referral on the referral is where they're supposed to fax the um the report so my doctor can read it so this doctor i told you that i went to this OBGYN that's supposed to be so great that you know they have they're so big they have two practices they couldn't find me an appointment the woman's telling me about chicken dinner like the fax number on this referral is for their other office, like not the office that saw me. So everyone there is like, I'm waiting for, you know, my OBGYN to tell me like, okay, it's confirmed. We've read the report and now here's, you know, your next steps. And I keep writing them like, can I please have my next steps? Like I want to move forward. I'm feeling ready to move forward. And, you know, I may want to try fertility and try to conceive again. And I don't want to like waste any more time. Like I want to move forward. I want to move forward. And they're like, take days, like, oh, we didn't get the facts. And I'm like, well, that was supposed to be sent like Friday, you know, days ago. So now I have to go call the place that did it. And they're like, oh, we faxed it. And I'm like, well, did you fax it to this number? This is what they told me. They're like, no, we faxed it to the other number that's on their sheet. So why at their own two offices that are connected for one practice, do they not upload your information on, I mean, there is a portal, right? There's a portal, like an online portal that I go on to. They literally can't communicate between their own two offices. Like they can, but they just didn't. They got it at the other office. They probably like didn't know who I was for some reason and like didn't bother to upload it. So I had to have it like scanned a second time. So it's like, there is no way I would ever go back to this place. Like if you can't keep your faxes straight, like how are you going to take care of me and my body? you know? Um, and like I said, there was many practitioners that work out of there. There was another woman, like she was really nice. I never met her, but she received my scan, like with the facts the second time and she called me. And then, and then when the original doctor called me, I told her I had had this conversation with the other doctor and it like seemed like she was like offended. <laughs> like, and the other doctor had actually given me different advice about what to do as next steps than this than this first one then I'll just call her chicken dinner then chicken dinner had um and I'm going with her advice because she was actually nice and she apologized for the office even though she didn't do any like she personally was the only person that acted right by me um and she still like took responsibility and apologized and of course because of that I like let it go I let let her know everything that was wrong because she was easier to let know but I'm like unfortunately I would never come back to this office so you know god universe goddess willing if you know if uh If the universe, you know, blesses me with the plan of of having another kid, I don't know where I'm going to go, y'all, <laughs> for good care. Uh, if you know anyone in, like, the Catskills or Hudson Valley region, give me a, a shout of who we can trust up here. Um, gosh, I think, I mean, I think that sums it up. So y'all know now, you know, what I've been dealing with. Um I won't even get into the whole, at the same time, we were like shockingly kicked off our insurance with no warning. And I'm like, so while I'm still dealing with this and I am still dealing with it, I'm still haven't had the procedures that I need to have. Um, I'm I'm dealing with the, like this insurance mistake and just layers on layers of living in this country, which by the way, my husband is not from this country. And, you know, he 
constantly tells me like it is not it doesn't have to be like this it's not like this everywhere and this is so like no one would believe this in in like you know the parts of Europe that he's from so it's not normal what we have to deal with here in the U.S. um it's just really not normal not for a country that's supposed to be this rich and and so forth but if you're not rich forget it um anyway I can't believe I talked for like nearly an hour I hope this was helpful um why share so personally I think many of you can relate maybe some of you can do something um maybe we can make change together speak up for ourselves um you know um and you're not alone you're not crazy if you feel like you're being treated wrong in these spaces uh you're not nuts you are being treated wrong I'm trying to get more and more in my voice and standing up for what's right um and not I'm not going to any doctor that I don't feel is listening I'm just not going to do it even if they're top rated don't care if they're not listening I don't want a part of it I don't like it so um I hope I empower you all to feel and do the same um and I hope you understand where I'm at if I'm not totally myself um why I had to cancel some things and why it's taking me a minute to get back on my feet but um again I also know how lucky I am I'm so blessed I'm so privileged to have my daughter um I have a great family. I have a beautiful atmosphere. I've been leaning on nature. I've been leaning on forest therapy and the forest to heal me. Being outside and talking to nature and being with her. Um, I've been doing yoga, just whatever moves my body's called to. I've been resting a lot. I've been so tired, guys. Like my energy will just suddenly plummet to the ground where I suddenly can't do anything. Um, when, when I need to, I've been, you know, getting out and trying to be around people when it feels right. So just like all the things, just giving a lot of grace, um, seeing some meaning in it. I mean, I didn't realize how much I really want this. It's hard to talk about that because it's very vulnerable to say that it's something that I want. Um, but that's a beautiful lesson that I got from this. I might not have known and just seeing, um, how sweet my husband was throughout this. There's, just, there's a lot of beauty in in the pain. Um, just seeing, just seeing how you know the people that were able to could could be there for me, and um, you know, there's a lot of learning and wisdom that that comes through through these times. You know, if you didn't listen to it, maybe go back and listen to the episode on post traumatic growth. It's a beautiful episode, and and you should get Edith's book which really details it more. So, um, you know, there's a lot of beauty that can come out of these times and a vulnerability that can open us up to others, which is pretty amazing. And that's all been there. Um, and I've been really grateful for just the people that have let me have time off that I need to heal and recover. Um, so, yeah, it's not all it's not all dark. I'm doing the work. Um, so thanks for listening to my story. Um, if it's helpful, if this podcast is helpful, please don't forget to rate and review. Review means like write the lines, write the little, you know, uh, some, a message about it. Uh, same thing with the book, the essential guide to trauma sensitive yoga. 
get a copy, read, review, all those things. All that stuff helps. I'm glad I can be here with you and you with me on this crazy journey of life.